Welcome to the Family Worship Center podcast. Each week we bring you our message from our Sunday morning services at Family Worship Center in Beaumont. Again, we live our lives by accident most of the time. When God's got a purpose, Ephesians says we're God's handiwork, we're God's craftsmanship, created to do good works. And sometimes that's the last thing on our mind. We hope you find this message encouraging. Remember that um, life is more of a, about the journey than it is the destination. We're going to ultimately get to heaven if we know the Lord. But in the meantime, he's interested in how we travel and, and live our journey. And so uh, we've been working on this for several weeks. This stemmed out of um, several months ago, whenever I was sitting at a red light and a guy rear-ended me, never hit, you know, never hit his brakes or anything. So I've been dealing with all the repercussions of that with my back and all that good stuff. But what it got me thinking about is, how could something like that happen? We got tons of laws. I mean, you're supposed to stop at a red light. That's pretty much a given. You're supposed to stop at a stop sign, yield at the yield sign, all this kind of stuff. We've got tons of stuff that keeps us from getting into accidents. We got speed limits, all kinds of signage and things that work toward that end, and we got a, a certain way that we drive on a certain side of the roads. All the cars are are nowadays everything's uh, pretty familiar. You can get in one different kind of vehicle, get in another. You can pretty much figure it out really quick. Um, the fact is, some of the newer cars. I talked about how when we were picking up some cars, um, that uh, th- some of them have crash avoidance. And in other words, it takes over the car. If you get too close to a vehicle in front of you, it'll throttle it back and, and uh, keep you from hitting them. If you get over too close to the line on the side, it'll, it'll buzz your cheek. <laughs> it's a, it's, I mean, it's just strange. First time I drove one like that, it was a surprise the first time I got over too close to the fog line on the inside. It's like, what in the world just happened there? But all, with all that kind of stuff going on, and we've got education, people have to prove that they're able to drive. You, you go through a training time, get your permit, and uh, then you've got to get the clock so many hours of driving, and then you make sure that you are proficient, and you have to take the driver's test and all that kind of stuff. So there's lots of things that work against us having accidents, but yet we have tons of accidents. As I told you in the, in the first of this series, Uh, It works out that just in the state of Texas alone, there's an accident every 61 seconds, just in the state of Texas. And so I got to thinking about it. If if we've got all these crash avoidance systems, we've got laws, we've got things in the vehicle, we've got all kinds of stuff, education that works against that, and there's still that many accidents, it's no wonder that we end up in a wreck in our life sometimes. Because here's the thing, we can become a Christian and we never have to prove our proficiency. There's not a test that we take, okay, answer this 10-point question, and then, man, you're on your way. We just, we live by accident. We drive on purpose, because we drive. How many of you set out anywhere in your life, any day that you got in your vehicle, barring some mental, emotional problem, how many of you just set out and said, I'm going to have a big accident today? But yet we never think about it where our lives are concerned. And we just haphazardly live. We don't go by, sometimes we don't go by any rules. Sometimes we want to go by our own rules. And so you just apply that to driving sometime. 
and you think if everybody started their car this morning and said, I'm just going to drive however I please, what kind of chaos would that have been? I mean, you'd have had people driving on the other side of the road. You'd have had people driving 100 miles an hour and people driving 10 miles an hour. And I mean, it would have just, there would have been a multitude of accidents. So it's no wonder with us living our lives by accident that we end up in a wreck sometimes. And ultimately, it comes down to this. We are all broken people. Sin has broken our lives regardless of the choices that we've made. And then on top of that, we make our own choices. And how many of you, I don't know whether to ask this or not, how many of you have ever made a bad decision in your life? <laughs> one that you wish, I wish I could do that over again. I wish you could have a mulligan on that one. Yes, indeed. So here's the deal. The way to prevent wrecking your life, number one, we've got some rules to go by. Number two, we've got somebody that we can consult along the way, get a little bit of counsel. So that's what this whole message has been about. We've been talking about living on purpose rather than by accident. So the first, after that introduction, uh, was where are we going? You've got to set out a direction in life, and your direction determines your destination. You can't head, get on I-10 and head toward Lake Charles and suppose that somewhere down the line you're going to get to Houston. It's just not going to happen unless you turn around. And that's what repentance is all about. If you look up the literal definition of repentance, it is I changed my mind. Amen? Sometimes we make it so difficult, the things of the Lord. Uh, and, and repentance is, I changed my mind and I'm going to change my direction. So we take one of those little turnarounds and we get headed back in the, in the right direction. So where are we going? Last week, are, are we there yet? And we, sometimes we live our whole life seeking there. I just can't wait till I get there. Boy, when I get there, everything's going to be good. When I, when, I, when I achieve there, whatever that is, and we talked about that in depth last week. So we live our whole life seeking there. And today, and this is probably going to be the final in this, in this series, and that, can we stop here? How many of you as parents, sometimes you just get frustrated with your kids in the back seat, and we're, we're just stopping here. Let's just get out of the car. Just get out. I mean, it might be a rest stop. It might be a gas station. Just, just get out of the car. And so sometimes we want to stop here. When we know our destination is somewhere down the line, but we want to stop here. And so it comes down, I'm not going to, it's a very lengthy portion of Scripture. But in Numbers chapter 32, the question is asked, can we stop here? And so I'm going to tell you what Numbers chapter 32 says. You can go read it at home sometime. It is a very lengthy portion of Scripture. But what it amounts to, it is the time whenever the children of Israel are preparing to go in and take the promised land. God's been promising for generations, this land belongs to you. It is a land of milk and honey. It is everything you ever thought about and more. It is all that and a bag of chips. And it's yours for free. Only thing you got to go is go in and possess the land. And we know ultimately that there was an entire generation, with the exception of uh, Caleb and Joshua, that would not receive that promise. They went in and spied out the land, and of the ones that went in and spied it, Joshua and Caleb were the only one that came back with a good report. The rest of them said, oh, it is really what you said, but 
You ever notice that we get that but with God sometimes? And but is that little conjunction that puts two ideas together, but it erases the first one. Okay? It is truly a land of milk and honey. It is everything that you promised it would be, God, but... Oh, you just erased that first part. There's giants in the land. There's all kinds of things that we can't overcome, all kinds of obstacles in our path. So you erase the first part. That's kind of like, have you ever heard somebody say, I love you, but? Okay? You just erase that first part, and you better duck, because they're fixing to, fixing to throw something your way. So they're fixing to go in and, and take the promised land, and there are two tribes two and a half tribes uh there are two half tribes in the children of israel it is the descendants of joseph whenever joseph got sold into slavery his dad thought he was dead whenever they found out he's back and and everything's good he gave his inheritance to his children his dad did gave his inheritance to his children so there are gad and manasseh that is not right it is the half-tribe of Manasseh, and uh, I just went as blank as a sheet of paper. I'm glad nobody else ever does that. Anyway, the one half-tribe is Manasseh. So it's Reuben, the tribe of Reuben, the tribe of Gad, and the half-tribe of Manasseh. And they come to Moses, and they said, we're getting ready to go in and take the promised land, but we've come across this land over here on this side of the Jordan, which is the east side. And it's really, really good. We've been living there a little while. And we want to stop here. Because this land is really good for cattle. And it just so happens we have cattle. Did I mention we have cattle? And did I mention this land is really good for cattle? If you go through and read this little portion of Scripture, Numbers chapter 32, there are a multitude of times whenever they talk about their cattle. We are fixing to go and inherit the promise of God. Two generations prior to you, you are fixing to go in and take a hold of everything that God has planned for you, and you're worried about your cows. Uh, it's the same way with Jesus. Whenever he comes across this guy that's, that's, that's demon-possessed, and... The demon speaks to Jesus, and Jesus, you know, going to cast him out. And the demon says, just let us go into those pigs over there. Okay, go. They're gone. And the only thing those people around there could talk about was that their pigs ran down the hill and ran into the water and drowned themselves. Pigs, 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 pigs. You just met the Son of God. Hello. Stop worrying about your pigs. Stop worrying about your cows. God's going to make this okay. But let's stop here. We are about to go in and receive our promise and stop that short. The width of the Jordan River, which if you've ever seen a picture of the Jordan River, it is not a big river. We would call it a creek. Okay? And... Here they are about to go in and take the promised land. And they say, can we stop here? Can we settle here? And Moses goes off on them. You've got to be kidding me. 
this is just like your parents were in the wilderness. In other words, you're just like your mom and dad. And now you're discouraging the rest of the children of Israel. We are this close to receiving what God has promised us for generations, and you are discouraging everybody else. What do you mean? Can we settle here? And they kind of do the big toe in the sand routine. Well, gosh, golly gee, we did Did I mention we had cattle? <laughs> I'm serious. Go through there and underline it. Different translations carried a little differently, but if you go through there and underline livestock, flocks, herds, all that kind of stuff, at least half a dozen times, if not more, it'll be talked about in there. Because they're like, this is, this is good pasture land, and uh, we've got cows. That's their whole thing. So Moses kind of rolls them around a little bit, rakes them over the coals a little bit, and they're like, well, gosh, golly, gee, we didn't know you were going to get your nose out of joint about it there, Moses. So what we'll do is we'll send all of our fighting men, and we'll take care of things, put us out in front. And if you look at the number of fighting men that they sent, and the battles that they won, it must have been an elite fighting group. They must have had some Green Berets involved because it was a small number of people, but they were always coming in to chew bubble gum and, t- and kick some behind, and they were all out of bubble gum. So, I mean, they went in and they kicked some behind of these people that were in, in the promised land. So ultimately, what it is, they made a concession. And they said, we want to live here. Because this is good pasture land. Oh, and did we mention we got some cows? Just a few. But we got some cows. And they said, let us build some fortified cities where our women and children can stay. And let us build some pens where our... Oh, did I mention we had some cows? So our cows can can not run off while we're gone fighting. And put us out front... And we'll be the first ones in. We'll be the point on every operation in the promised land. And we won't come back until the prom- everybody's over there. And we'll give up our inheritance in the promised land. We will stake no claim in the promised land. Just give us this over here because we won't stop here. Because it's good land for cattle. And we've got cows. Do you see how crazy that sounds? And it's not the first time that this has happened. In Exodus chapter 20, the children of Israel, they've come out of bondage and they are serving this mighty God that is with them 24 hours a day. In the daytime, they get to see him. He's this big pillar of cloud that keeps them in the shade and from burning up in this desert heat. And at night, when it cools off, he's this big pillar of fire that keeps them warm. Anytime, day or night, they can look out their tent flap. There he is. Fed every day without having to do anything for it, except go out and pick it up. Their clothes didn't get old and tear. Their shoes grew with their feet if they were little ones. They never had, to, never had to want for anything. And this mighty God that they could look out there and see 24 hours a day, wouldn't you like to be, you know, you just had to peep out there and see him change from cloud to fire once, wouldn't you? I mean, poof, poof, poof. 
<laughs> so, uh, you know, it's just a little side note, me, my curiosity. I'd have, to, I'd have to see it change from cloud to fire at least once. So here they are in the desert, and God calls Moses up on the mountain, and he is up there, and there's a cloud that surrounds the mountain. Moses goes up there, and there's thunder and an earthquake, and, and they're seeing lightning flash. No, this is awesome! And then he speaks to them. And they say, we know we're serving a mighty God, but that's scary. So Moses, you let him speak to you, and then you come and tell us what he said. What? Are you kidding me? You get an opportunity to hear the voice of God, and you want Moses to come tell you what he said? Are you kidding? Oh, every one of these examples is the same thing. Stopping short, stopping that much short of what God has intended. Can we just stop here? That far short of receiving everything that God has for you. So you can go read Numbers 32, and it'll tell you the same thing in a longer, longer drawn-out version. But... Basically, it comes down to this. As God's people in this day and time, again, we live our lives by accident most of the time. When God's got a purpose, we talked about it last week, we are God's handiwork, God's workmanship, according to what translation you read. Ephesians says we're God's handiwork, we're God's craftsmanship, created to do good works in Him. And sometimes that's the last thing on our mind. We've got our things that we want to do, our checklist of I've got to accomplish this and I've got to do this and I've got my 401K and all these different things, jobs and all this kind of stuff. God says, I, I, cre- I created you. You are my workmanship, my handiwork, created to do good works in Christ. And yet we live our lives all about us. And I'm telling you, it's getting worse instead of getting better. If you look at this world in which we live today, whenever people say, God, I don't care what you made me, I'm going to be something different. God, I know you made me a man and, and, and made me to be a husband and made me to be a father, but I identify... Don't get too far off on the, on the ledge there. But you know what I'm talking about. When people start choosing what they're going to be instead of realizing God put me here as I am for this time to be what I am and to do something good in him. Whenever, whenever your mindset, whenever you put on the spectacles of heaven and you begin to look around and say, this is not about me. This is all about him. And if he chose to to make me like I am, I've shared with y'all before. Whenever I first started preaching, I'd listen to a preacher and I'd be like, man, that just turns my crank. I want to preach like them. And I'd go and try to preach like them and they'd preach like me and I'd be so disappointed. 
And I mean, that happened more than one time. I'd, you know, I'd, boy, yeah, that's boy, that is the presentation style that I want. I mean, I, you know, I'd like to have that voice like this. I mean, it's, it's, have you ever heard some people that have a voice like that? They could say the ABCs and it would be inspiring. A, B, C, D, E, F, G. And I'm like, man, that's, boy, that's just awesome. God, give me a voice like that. Or there'd be somebody that'd have this presentation style that was just so slick and it'd like, yeah, God, let me do that. And I'd always be so disappointed. Because as I've shared with you, when I first started preaching, there's been many, many times whenever I thought I had it all figured out. Let me just eliminate that thought anymore. But I, I've started preaching, and I was getting opportunities going to preach. So, hey, I'm going to be an evangelist. I'm going to continue to work in the plant because, you know, that gives me a little bit of jingle in my pocket. Won't have to worry about whether they give me an offering or not and all that kind of stuff. I'll be an evangelist. And I would go to the, all these different churches, and I would preach just like a pastor. You know, it'd be like, everybody come up at the end, let's just hug, shake hands, fellowship, all that kind of stuff. And so through the years, I figured out God didn't call me to be an evangelist in, in the purest sense of that. No, we're all evangelists. We are all, to evangel means to proclaim the good news. So we are all called to be evangelists from that perspective, but evangelists in the office gift. And so through the years, I figured out, hey, God called me to be a pastor. And if I am his handiwork, his craftsmanship, Created to what? Do my thing? Do what I want to do? No, to do good works in him. Whatever it is he desires. So I figured out, hey, this, uh, God's called me to be a pastor. So I pastored for a while. And then, man, I'm telling you, I don't want to sound too negative on it, but it's the hardest thing I've ever done in my life. There is always, I mean, you, you get really, you know, things start going good and things, and then there's always somebody ready to just bring you back down to earth. <laughs> and it was tough, and I went through some tough times. If you got, got a minute sometime, ask me about it, and I'll tell you. But I, I got a huge wake-up call. And it's like, this hurts way too bad to do this the rest of my life. I'm not going to be a pastor anymore, ever said that in front of God and everybody present that day I will never and just proves God's got a big sense of humor but I said I will never get involved in pastoral ministry again and I made my way into chaplaincy and I've told you the story worked for TDCJ Texas Department of Criminal Justice as a chaplain very good ministry, but as a part of that, I realized God didn't call me to be a chaplain. He called me to do what I said I would never do. God, forgive me. I'm sorry. And so ultimately, it comes down to this. We need to figure out what he wants first and primary and premier to everything. Our worldview ought to be shaped by I am a believer in Christ, and he has called me to do blank. And so, as a part of that, I may be a plant worker or whatever it is. Insert here your occupation. 
And I'm going to do my very best to perform the first part, what he's called me to do, and use the second part as a tool by which to accomplish it. See, sometimes we make our lives all about making money. Money's a tool. Money's just like a hammer or a screwdriver or a wrench or a piano. It's a tool. It's something that we use to accomplish what it is we're supposed to do. And so, ultimately, and if y'all could see my outline versus what I'm preaching, you'd say it's a different message. So uh, there may be a next week. I don't know. Uh, we'll see. I'll, I'll look at my wife, and she's, she's not got the wings out and the airport air lights on, but it is getting light. Here's the deal. Sometimes we settle for way less than God wants for us. Sometimes we settle for crumbs when God has a fantastic-looking chocolate three-layer cake for us. <laughs> and Merle just went, <laughs> I mean, whatever it is that turns your crank, insert that dessert there. Sometimes we're settling for crumbs. We're, we're under the table, and we're picking up crumbs when God says, if you'll just stand up and look on the table, I got something for you that is absolutely going to knock your socks off. Why settle for hearing from Moses when you can hear from me? Why settle for the Transjordan when all you got to do is, is walk across the Jordan River? Why settle for less than what God has for us whenever He already has it prepared? And so ultimately, it comes down to this. There are so many times that we settle for less than. Sometimes we settle for less than in our occupation. Why? Because I got to have a job, and I get a job, and I do good at it. And God's saying, I got something over here that you're going to enjoy for the rest of your life. You don't like this job. It's paying the bills, but I got what you are called to do over here. But this job pays good, and I got a raise, and now it's paying all the bills, and now it's meeting every need that I have, and I got some 401k built up, and I, all this kind of stuff, but I hate it. Every day I say, I'd rather take a beating than to go into this job. That's settling. And I've been there. Whenever God called me into ministry, as I said, I was working in a plant. And Jonathan, how many is that? <laughs> I didn't mention the name of it, so maybe we're in a good... Jonathan, he laughs at me because I mentioned it a lot. But it's a big part of my life. Worked there for 13 years. Had retirement built up. I had gotten to the point where I had tons of vacation time and all that good stuff. Good benefits. But I sincerely, there were so many nights. The last few years I worked there, worked midnights. I was working four tens. And I'd have to be there at 10.30, and I, would, I wouldn't leave the house till 10.05, and it took me 20 minutes to drive there because I dreaded it. I hated it. And so when I first went to work there, it was the greatest thing to ever. It was what I'd always prayed for. Only thing, I didn't really know who I was praying to. 
That was what I had trained to do all my life from the time I was 10 years old. When I walked in there and hired in off the street at 18 years old, I had eight years of experience in a job shop. That's what I had planned to do the rest of my life. I loved it. I loved fabricating. I loved machining stuff. I loved, uh, I was a welder extraordinaire. They, figured, they said, we need some steps to go up to a mezzanine about that high right there. Anybody know how to cut steps? Yeah. Give me a framing square and we'll have them whipped out in just a little bit. Unfortunately, you know what happens when you volunteer for stuff. I made steps for the next six months. Every mezzanine needed steps or a ladder. So, uh, I mean, it was just, I loved it. It was the greatest thing to ever, but then I got saved. And I realized that that wasn't what life was all about. And if I had stayed there for the rest of my life, I'd, yeah, I'd have probably been banking by now. And had a huge retirement and all that stuff. But I hated it. It wasn't what I was called to do. If you are in that spot today, do not go out and quit your job tomorrow. And say, Brother Philip told me to. (laughs) But make a plan. Figure out what it is that you love to do and what you're called to do. And make a plan to get to that point remember direction determines your destination and if you are miserable and you're unhappy then figure out what it is what am i missing what am i settling for what what am i under this table digging for and god says if you'll just lift your eyes up a little bit i got a big old cake for you so it's about time to pray and I've still got a three-point outline to get to. <laughs> well, next week. We'll finish it up next week. But here's the deal. Sometimes we settle. We say, God, can we stop here? Instead of saying, God, I want to I go one step more. See, that's, that's what I was talking about when I started out. This, is, this life is as much about the journey as it is our destination. Our destination is going to be awesome if we're following Christ. Guess what? All the authors in the Bible were at a lack of words to express how wonderful heaven is going to be. The Apostle Paul said this, if I were to continue to talk about heaven and how great it is, it would be against the law. That's how good it's going to be. Words were lacking. For everybody that's ever got a vision of heaven, they kept it's kind of like this, but not really, and it's kind of like this, but, but different. So ultimately, our destination is going to be good, but it's not all about that. It's about where we're at right now and how far we have to go on this journey. If life is a highway, then the thing that we got to do is figure out, are we headed in the right direction? Do I have my destination? Is that, and like I talked about last week, quit looking over there and over there and say, boy, when I get there, it'll be great. When I get there, it'll be fantastic. You're here. And you know what? You're always going to be here. Because when you get there, it becomes here. Until that day when we close our eyes and breathe our last on this earth, we are here. And we got to make it about the journey and stop settling for second best or third best or fourth best. Whenever God says, if you just lift your eyes and look around, I've got something really fantastic waiting for you. 